Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Colossians chapter 2, here we go. It says this in verse 6, So then just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Verse 7, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Isn't that something? Paul said, overflowing with gratitude. In Psalms 103, beginning at verse 1, David said these words, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Do you know that as a believer you have a benefits package? If you didn't, you do now. Here it is. Who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction. One translation says the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Verse five, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I'll stop right there. If you're taking notes and you want to put a title on this, I call it being gripped with gratitude. Being gripped with gratitude. In Colossians, the Apostle Paul is explaining the importance of gratitude for the believer. He talks about us being rooted and grounded and built up in Christ. The illustration is of a plant, how its roots go down into the soil and receive the nourishment and nutrients for that plant for it to continue to flourish and grow. Likewise, as believers, it's important that we are continuing to, 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 as Isaiah would say, put roots downward so that we can bear fruit upward. It speaks of a continual uh, growth, a continual connection and communion and abiding in Christ. I want to tell you that, that when you come to faith, whether it's at an altar or a church or wherever you prayed that prayer, understand it starts there, but it doesn't stop there. That it's about relationship. It's about growing. It's about thriving in our walk with God. It's more than just one moment that we encounter or experience, but Jesus Christ has a desire to have an ongoing thought. We ought to be built up in our faith. Amen? That's why discipleship is important. That's why growing in the knowledge of his will is important because it is the heart of God and Jesus Christ that we would not just watch this get right, but that we would continue to get well. And the only way that we continue to get well is through our connection with him. And Paul said, when you recognize that you have this great connection, when you understand where you were and where you are now, now that Jesus has become Lord of your life, notice what it's saying that as believers, one of, one of the true characteristics of a believer among others is that our lives should be overflowing with gratitude. Our lives should be overflowing with appreciation. As a believer, we should be gripped with a spirit of gratitude because we recognize and realize if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, where would I be? I want to go ahead and say if God doesn't do anything else in your life, uh, no, if you don't. 
If there's not one more blessing, if there's not one more breakthrough, if he doesn't do anything else from this day forward, I want to tell you if you are born again, blood-bought and born again, and you are a child of God, you have the greatest blessing that you could ever receive in this life. Come on, I need a bigger amen than that because because you got to recognize that your life has been saved your life has been delivered you've been snatched out of the clutches of the wicked one and been given eternal life i'm gonna keep going i'm I'm, yeah understand that gratitude should be expressed in every word and in every appearance and every action of a believer We should never forget the magnitude of the blessings we have received and the source from which they come from. Gratitude should be, the definition of gratitude is the quality of being thankful. It's an emotion expressing appreciation for what one has. It's a recognition of value independent from monetary worth. You can't put a price tag on what we have to be thankful for God for. Spontaneously generated from within, it's an affirmation of goodness. John Henry Jowett, a British preacher, put it like this. Gratitude is a vaccine, an antitoxin, and an antiseptic. As a vaccine, it can prevent the invasion of a disgruntled, discouraged spirit. An antitoxin, it prevents the effects of the poisons, listen, of cynicism, criticalness, and grumbling. And as an antiseptic, a spirit of gratitude can soothe and heal the most troubled spirit. Have you ever gotten around somebody that's just so thankful and grateful? They have a tendency to change the atmosphere of a room. They have a tendency to impact those that are around them. Understand that gratitude is the recognition of the goodness of God. Psalms 136 and 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. The old timers would say, and we've heard this statement in church, God is good and all the time, but the reality of it is we say that, but do we really mean it? Because God's goodness is not circumstantial or situational. God is good all the time. I put it like this, because he doesn't change. Just because things are bad, it doesn't mean that God ceases to be good. Understand that God is not good to you because you are good, but God is good to you because he is good. He was good to you when you were always being bad to him. And some of you are still being bad. But aren't you thankful his goodness was not predicated on your goodness, but his goodness was dependent upon who he is and his own character because he was good to you when you were never thinking about him. He was good to you when you were still dropping it like it was hot in the club. He was good to you when you were, come on, you were sleeping and creeping and peeking and sneaking. He was still good when you was lying, cheating, and stealing. Come on. When, when, come on, somebody. He was still good to you. You didn't think about church. You didn't think about the Bible. You could care less about Jesus or you don't do that religious stuff. I might even have a few atheists, former atheists in here. You have 
had nothing to do with God but even then he was still good you know how I know because you're still alive you're still breathing and the scripture put it like this that God demonstrated his goodness or his love toward us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us he didn't wait till you get it right to go to the cross he said I'm gonna go to cross on credit and I hope that you respond oh you didn't hear what I just said I died for you not knowing if you would choose me I died for you not knowing if you would ever serve me I died for you not knowing if you would ever set foot in my church or read my word but I didn't do oh come on it wasn't about you but it was my heart towards you I need 10 people to give God praise if you're thankful that he was good when you were bad understand that as believers rehearsing the goodness of God is critical it positions us to trust solutions may remain unseen and situations unresolved but gratitude assures them that God is still in control this is not a denial of reality but a recognition that God is more powerful than our circumstances when we open ourselves to the power of gratitude and thankfulness it builds our faith that our Father's concern over us is always unwavering. He is the Lord thy God that changes not. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, he said, he said, this, he said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Let me tell you what he didn't say. He didn't say, give thanks for everything. There are some things that I'm, I don't thank him for bad things. But he said, don't, he said, he didn't say give thanks for everything, but he said keep a spirit of gratitude in everything. And the reason why I can give thanks, come on, and notice what he said, this is the will of God. You want to know God's, what God's will is? Gratitude. How am I supposed to respond to this situation? Grab, give thanks. How am I supposed to navigate during this time? Give thanks. He said, my will in this thing that you may not understand, that you can't figure out, that you can't wrap your head around, what I just need you to do is keep thanking me, keep giving me glory, keep giving me praise, keep expressing gratitude. And the reason why I can do that, because I know that at some point, my God is going to cause things to work together for the good of them who are the called according to his purpose and listen it's only good when it comes together the struggle is when it's in pieces and some of y'all are in the process of pieces you just got pieces you don't have the whole puzzle but you got pieces and it's hard to praise sometimes when you don't when you only have pieces and pieces can be painful but I come to encourage you this morning if you hold on to the pieces I want to remind you that your God knows how to take the pieces and turn it into a masterpiece and when it all comes together come on it's going to be good God is not done with you yet. I need five people to give him praise and I'll move on. 
I may not understand what he's doing, but Genesis 18 says, shall not the, the judge of all the earth do good? I may not understand what he's doing, but I know what he's doing is good. Can I take it a little further? I may not know his plan, but I know he has a plan because Jeremiah said, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. I just want to let put the devil on notice today that's trying to discourage, that's trying to frustrate that's trying to aggravate you need to know that my God is in control and it may not look good but he is good and it's a matter of time before he's gonna make it good one of the end time signs he's going to revelation nope let me show you something Timothy said this Here's signs of the time. You ready? 2 Timothy 3, 2. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Listen to this. For men will be lovers. There it is. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Y'all hear that, young people? But anyway, disobedient, <laughs> unthankful, and unholy. Leave it up there. Notice he said that this would mark perilous times would come in the last days. Look at the characteristics of what would happen. Look at one of them. It's being unthankful. So in other words, they would begin to operate in this or move toward this, which can imply it wasn't always like this. So at one time, oh my God, they used to be lovers of others. My, they only love themselves. They used to be, watched as givers or generosity to others, but now they're just loving money for themselves. <laughs> Boasters, proud, me, myself, and I, your own trinity. But now, oh yeah, oh, did I say that out loud? But anyway, <laughs> boasters and proud and er blasphemers. That word blasphemer there, even the apostle Paul, the Bible said one of the characteristics pre-Christ of Saul that he was a blasphemer, which he verbally abused people and talked down, dehumanized and degrade them and run them in the ground as if they have no value or purpose to God. This will, And boy, if you ever on social media, it's, I'm just... Anyway, but uh, <laughs> disobedience, unthankful and unholy. What I'm trying to get you to see, if that is the characteristics of the world or the way it's shifting in the time, the church has to be the exact opposite. Oh, I said the church, the body of Christ. We got to be lovers of people. We got to be generous people. We got to be honorable. We got to be walking humility. And if we're going to boast and we're going to be proud, we're going to boast in Jesus Christ like Paul said. We're going to brag on Jesus. And, and, and kids, you're going to obey your parents. And we're going to be a people that's gratitude, full of gratitude and walking holiness. Now stay with me. Whatever you, what you don't take with gratitude, you'll eventually take for granted. Do you take your marriage with gratitude? Do you take your wife with gratitude? Do you take your husband with gratitude? Do you take your children with gratitude? What you don't take with gratitude, you'll eventually take it for granted. Do you take this church with gratitude? Do you take the house of God with gratitude? 
Come on, do you come on? Do you take you take your health with gratitude? What you don't take with gratitude, eventually you'll take for granted. And it's important that we we must overflow, as Paul said, with gratitude. Well, let me give you this real quick. See, your praise must be gripped with gratitude. Psalms 92 1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to your name, O Most High. Oh, can I just preach on that a little bit? Your praise has to be gripped with gratitude. And let me say something about praise. Understand that what we just had was not just the slots that we fill service with some action. The reason why we have praise and worship, the reason why we'll have a worship and prayer night tonight, it's not about us. It's not about a program. It's not necessarily about a service flow. It's about him. And let me just get here. When it talks about being your praise with gratitude, it's vocal. The Bible says a voice of thanksgiving. Your thanksgiving should have a voice. In other words, I don't think I don't think praise. I praise him to myself. You know, because I'm sick and tired. Yeah, I said it. I'm sick and tired of when stalemate, supposed to be saints, look at people who are very boisterous and excited about praising their God and honoring their God. That's sensationalism. That's a little bit extreme. And I'm not talking about crazy. All things should be done in decency and order. But when, if you lift your hands, if you stand on your feet, if you shout and praise your God, and matter of fact, if you take off running every now and then, then you're crazy. You're a fanatic. You're sensational. That's just emotionalism. It doesn't take all that. When was the last time? Listen, the Bible said David was dancing butt naked before the Lord. David, oh you don't want me to preach in here. You don't want me to preach and the only problem God didn't have a problem with it but his wife did and as a result she was barren. She stopped birthing because she got mad at a praiser. Uh oh. All I'm trying to say well I'm just not I'm just not very outspoken. No you're not obedient. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. You're not silent at the Dodgers game. You're not silent up in Anaheim with the Angels. You're not silent with the Ducks. You're not silent with the Bruins. You're not silent with the Trojans. You're not silent with the Chargers. You're not silent with the Rams. But you're going to come up in here with your sanctified self and sit down on Jesus. The devil is a lie. None of them hung on a cross. None of them shed their blood for me. None of them gave their life for me. I'm going to give Jesus my best praise. The one who paid it all. I give him glory today. Your breakthrough might just be in your praise today. Your next level just might be in your praise today. We have to learn. It's a voice of thanksgiving. Let me say this. This is where David got. In Psalms 103, David said, I got to regain my grip on, attitude, on gratitude. In a moment of difficulty, 
David paused to remind himself. He said, wait a minute. God's been good to me. Wait a minute. I'm losing my grip on gratitude. And David had to begin to talk to himself. He had to encourage himself. In other words, David said, I can sit here, my Lord, and count my problems or I can count my blessings. Oh, God, I can count the problems and go crazy or I can count my blessings. And David said he began to have to talk to himself. Do you know sometimes you got to talk to yourself? You really do. You, you, you won't be diagnosed with anything. You just talk to yourself. Sometimes you just, it, it, it'll, it'll just happen. Because David, watch this. I'm going to give you an example of David. There was one time that God sent Jonathan into the wilderness where David was. And the scripture said he encouraged himself. He encouraged David in the things of the Lord. But then when David got to Ziklag, the Bible said that he had to encourage himself because everybody around him was disgruntled and complaining and murmuring. Matter of fact, they spake, King James, of stoning David. But the Bible said he encouraged himself. And this is what he's doing in this psalm. He's telling himself. He's speaking to his soul. Come on, my soul. Don't you get quiet on me. God's been good to us. God's been faithful to us. And he said, you're going to bless the Lord. Oh, let me just go ahead and break it down and get out of your way. He said, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And all that is within me. Notice he said, all that is within me. Which David understood that I can, watch this, I can praise within or I can just praise without. But the goal is to praise with all. <laughs> what do you mean, Javon? He said, bless us in all that is within me. Because some people only praise without and they're not really praising from within. Just because your hand's up don't mean you're praising from within. Just because you rock don't mean you're praising from within. Just because you watch this even open up your mouth and repeat the words. I'm messing with you now. Doesn't mean that your praise is from within. It could be external action without internal connection. And I'll give you scripture for it. Jesus looked at the religious folk of his day and said, you honor me with your mouth. You worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me you got an external show of religion but you're void of relationship on the inside but I dare to believe that I came to a church this morning that said I tried that old dead religious external stuff but the praise I want to give to my God is one that comes from deep within I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth where are the true praisers where are those that said he's been too good to me for me to just go through the motions of church and he said I'll bless the in all that is within me and notice what he said and he said and forget oh Lord not all his benefits Let me, I'm gonna give you this really quick forget not all of his benefits that word benefit, this is, this is awesome, found this in study. That word benefit is actually a word that was translated, watch this, 
And one of the translation was, it was implied a camel or the picture of a camel. A camel was a means of transportation in desert times, in dry times. They would load the camels up in those Middle Eastern times. And it was the means of transportation of traveling through and carrying their goods through the hot, dry desert to get them to their destination. And when David said, forget not all of his benefits, he said, when you start remembering the benefits, my God, you, your benefits are, is your camel. Mm-mm-mm. Remembering and showing gratitude for what God has done. It becomes the camel that gets you through the dry times and the tough times and the heated times of life that seemingly would hold you back and keep you. When I get in a dry season and a tough season, the worst thing that I could do is shut my mouth and get silent. But the greatest thing that I could do is begin to say, God, I give you glory. I give you praise. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your greatness I thank you for your salvation I thank you that you're my provider I thank you that you're my source I thank you that you're my strength I thank you that you're my way maker I thank you that you're my promise keeper I thank you that you're my miracle worker I thank you I thank you and it said it becomes the vehicle that transports me through my dry season that I don't die before my destination said forget not all of your benefits the problem sometimes we get fruitful and we get forgetful <laughs> I told the told Israel in Deuteronomy he said when I bring you out when I put you into this wealthy place you start eating good yeah you start eating real good Blessings are flowing. Provisions being made. He said, don't you forget about me. That it was me that brought you out of Egypt. It was me that has prospered you. And it's a sad thing because it happens in church. I am amazed when some people didn't have nothing, you couldn't keep them out of the church. All in the church. Can I come today? Can I come? Come to do what? I just need to be there. I just need to be there. I just need to be there. I just want to go sit in the sanctuary and just worship God. But I just want to be. I tell them they cry, and there's nothing wrong with that. But yet, when you come out of that place and God begins to bless, now you're too blessed to come. Now we're too fruitful to be faithful. I'm not being ugly, but I'm just saying this is the stuff we have to guard. That now I'm so blessed, I can't be a blessing no more. Well, I couldn't possibly help to do any of that great work. That's that work. That tithe is a lot. But the key is when you sit back and say, sometimes, oh God, I got to be like that leper. There were 10 of them that were cleansed and only one come back. And the scripture said this. Jesus said, were they not? Nah. Wait a minute. I bless more than that. 
I cleanse more than that. Where are the other nine? This is what blows my mind. Jesus said this. He said, and this one is a Samaritan. And then he goes on to say, and this one, he, read your Bible. He said, and this one was a foreigner. You know what? You know what he was implying? Could it be that my cup, the people who I'm in covenant with, don't even get it. But I got people outside of my cup that get it. There's more, oh my, okay, you, you're missing it. Because there's more people that's, I, come on somebody, these people weren't even, weren't even in covenant, but they understood the power of gratitude. How is it that we're in covenant and we have, come on somebody, and we lose it. There were people, come on somebody, how can the world have more gratitude than the church? How can the world be more generous than the church? How can the world be more grateful? It's not supposed to be that way. And the scripture said he came back. Could it be that nine they got fruitful and they got forgetful? Those nine forgot what it felt like to itch. They forgot. Had he not saved me, had he not delivered me, had he not intervened, had his mercies not stepped in, because what should have happened didn't happen because of his goodness. What could have happened didn't happen because his goodness. And that's something that grips me all the time. All I got to think back is to that one moment that God set me free and broke the chains off of my life. All I got to do is just stop one moment and remember that the gun didn't go off, the drugs didn't kill me, it didn't take me out, the wrecks, the gang banging, and all the other crap didn't send me to hell. All I got to do is just think one time about it, and I come back and say, Lord, thank you. If you never do anything ever again in my life, if, not, if you never bless me, if you never give me anything else, if you never move another mountain, if you never raise another valley, I don't have to preach another another sermon. I don't have to stand on a platform. I'm so grateful for what you've done right now. I give you all the glory. I refuse to come back with empty praise. Stay standing. Because that's why it touched me what David said. I hadn't forgot that he forgave my iniquities. Listen to what he said. I forgive all your iniquities. I didn't partially forgive you. I didn't partially cover you. I fully forgave you. He told the sinful woman, though your sins are many, I fully forgive you. I am he that blots out your transgression and remember them no more for my own sake. And he said, this is what gripped me about it. I healed all your diseases. 
Anybody been healed in this room? Anybody been healed? Oh, healed all of your diseases. Watch this. Healed all your diseases. Because sometimes it's not physical. It could be in your soul. Healed from depression. Healed from bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment. Healed from torment in your mind. All of my diseases that the devil tried to destroy me from. Come on, somebody. The darkness and the oppression. I healed. I'm the heal of all your diseases. I don't know if I'm preaching to myself. I redeemed your life from destruction. You were done. You were finished. You were washed up according to the natural. According to your circumstance and your situation. Even the doctors and the professionals said it was over. But that word says who redeemed your life from destruction. I love the word redeem because it means to buy back. It was a term that was used to buy back slaves that were in bondage, but they were bought back to be brought into freedom. And the Bible said without the shed, that we were all redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The only currency that was acceptable to release us from the bondage of sin and oh God and destruction was the blood of Jesus. It was the currency of deliverance and freedom that Christ paid himself that we could be bought back from the enemy out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you hearing me today? Ah, I feel the anointing of God. And the thing about redeem, it means to buy back. Because what I love about Jesus, I don't believe Jesus always shot on the showroom floor. But I believe Jesus had a tendency to find that place in the department store that was marked down a little bit, that had some cuts, some scrap, a, a wheel was missing, a knob was missing, there was a scratch on one side, and the sign said, discounted price, watch this, purchase as is. Because that's what redemption mean that when he bought you come on you wasn't showroom material I don't care what your fan don't don't know no. you wasn't show I don't care how good you look on that you and you were unsaved you were not showroom material you wasn't at the front of the store you was in a back corner somewhere with a reduced price but when Jesus stepped in and said I'll buy them as they are cracks and all brokenness and all dysfunction and all hurt and all you know why he buys you as is because he knows what he can make you become he knows I can read I satisfy you not only am I going to redeem you I'm going to satisfy your mouth with good stuff. I'm going to satisfy you with some good stuff. See, he says, I'll satisfy you with good things. 
See, God wants to satisfy you with good things, but the enemy gives you substitutes that are bad things. Oh God, he said, I'm going to get rid of the substitutes and give you satisfaction. Somebody in here, come, oh my Lord, this is your day. This is your moment. He's coming to get rid of the substitutes. That's, oh, I'm going to go ahead and preach it. Substance abuse are substitutes for false satisfaction. There's a built-in void. I don't care. A bottle is not going to fix it. Money is not going to fix it. A position is not going to fix it. A house on the beach ain't going to fix it. A car is not going to fix it. The only thing that will fill the void is Jesus. He is the one who truly satisfies. I'm done. And he said, I'm going to do all that. And I'm going to put the icing on the cake. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to fully forgive. I'm going to pull you out of the pit. I'm going to get rid of your substitutes and give you satisfaction. And then watch this. He says this. Now, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to crown you with loving kindness. You don't understand that. I don't know if you understand that. The greatest picture of being crowned with loving kindness. With loving kindness I have drawn thee. It's the loving kindness of God that draws us to repentance. The greatest picture of this is with Mephibosheth and David. Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, Jonathan, made a covenant with David the king. That said, whatever you do, I make a covenant that you will always honor my house. When the the Lord destroys the enemies of David, but you will honor my seed. You will honor my house. And the Bible said, I'm going to fast forward it. The scripture said, David said these words, who can I show kindness to? And the Bible said they brought him Mephibosheth who was in Lodibar, a desolate place, a lame place. And the scripture said that he was lame in his feet. You know why? Because he was dropped by his nurse. In other words, he was broken because of somebody else's fall. I want to tell some of you it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's unfortunate that, that you were dropped because somebody else failed. But what I love, it doesn't end there. Because when they crowned with love and kindness, what you have to understand is when they slid Mephibosheth, go back and read and study this. I can't get in all of it. He sat at David's uh, table, Adam. I wish I could have illustrated it. When he sat at his table, the king's table, that had bread, that had wine, it was a plethora of food. But when he sat at that royal table, he didn't look like what he'd been through. He didn't look like where he came from. And understand, everybody that was at that table was royalty. 
God. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. When he crowns you with love and kindness, he puts royalty on you. He puts you in places you don't deserve to be. He puts you in places that you never thought you could be a part. Do you want scripture? I'm glad you asked. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Come on, a holy people who have called to show forth the praises of him that has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.